0: Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 1968 film The Swimmer follows a former ad executive played by Burt Lancaster as he swims home courtesy of his neighbor's swimming pools. Now if that sounds like a metaphor for something else, it's not. He literally swims his way home courtesy of his neighbor's swimming pools. Now if you would like to listen to this podcast as a commentary track, simply cue up the movie and I will be on the other side of the pause button. And so if you are watching the movie and listening to this podcast as a commentary track you should be at the opening credit sequence there's the columbia studio logo you're in the right spot and now we go to the opening credit sequence taking place in the forest now seeing this opening scene in the forest uh, contradicts in many ways the what the movie we're about to see because the forest there, there's the deer and it's a very peaceful a very serene a very tranquil setting the forest it 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 suggests that the movie will go along at a leisurely pace and it does move at a leisurely pace there's no no doubt about it however it it does not it it, it contradicts the inner turmoil, if not the external turmoil in some scenes that we're about to see. So it's kind of interesting, you see this, this scene in the forest, you, you almost expect Smokey Bear to show up in a cameo. There, there's the rabbit uh, introducing Janet Langard. Janet Langard uh, playing Julie, That is, she is a pivotal character who, who we will get to. The Swimmer is based on a short story by John Cheever, initially published in the New Yorker magazine in 1964. A short story that pertains to the death of the American dream, blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna cover that aspect of this movie. It's been done to death and I don't believe I will have anything to contribute to that aspect of the story. The music in the film is by Marvin Hamlish, which, fun fact, this is the first movie that he wrote music for. One of his last movies, music by Marvin Hamlish. one of the last movies that he did was the Steven Soderbergh movie, The Informant, with Matt Damon. And so it's kind of interesting that his his career in the movies is bookended by two movies with blatant mental health issues directed by Frank Perry. Uh, Frank Perry directed this movie. Frank Perry also directed uh, Mommy Dearest. And so if there's an element of camp to this movie, that would be why. Uh, now, if there's a, a reason why I do this, as a commentary track the reason for that is because you are not alone and i don't know if you need to hear that today i don't know if anybody has told you that today but you are not alone and i know many people will say back to the, back to me what do you mean i'm not alone of course i'm alone if you do not have anybody to go to the movies with if you do not have anybody to watch a movie with then what would otherwise be a social activity movie watching becomes a solitary activity. It becomes a solo activity that for many people can be stressful, it can be traumatic. And so you are not alone and I will watch the movie with you. Some some episodes it will be the whole movies, other episodes it will be a portion of the movie. But I I am with you and I will watch this movie with you. I want to also make mention of the two crisis text line numbers in the event that this movie does trigger you. If you are in the US, text HOME H O M E to 741. 741- seven four one again home HOME seven four one seven four one if you are in the UK text shout SHOUT to eight five two five eight again that's shout eight five two five eight the swimmer is a movie that reeks, absolutely reeks of alcohol. Every home he visits, except for one, I believe there's one that does not have alcohol, but every one he visits, such as this scene right here where he's visiting the Bickleys, that's, let's call this pool number one, pool number one. Now, much of the dialogue including in this scene, pertains to the parties the night before and the hangovers the morning after. It's their lifestyle, and I say they being his contemporaries. Him and his contemporaries have the the nice house, they have the nice pool, they have the parties every night, and this movie just reeks of alcohol. There's no other way of of, of putting it. I don't know if this was standard for this era. This is a story that has drawn comparisons to the TV show Mad Men, Ned Merrill being a contemporary of the Don Draper character in Mad Men. There is uh, what's called a dual diagnosis. If you've never heard the term dual diagnosis, that basically means... According to National Alliance on Mental Illness, they call a dual diagnosis a substance use disorder. And what that means is you, you have one diagnosis of a mood disorder, be it depression, bipolar, you know, any, any mood disorder, that would be a diagnosis number one. And diagnosis number two would be the addiction issue to, a, to, to alcohol. The study, which is cited by National Alliance on Mental Illness, quotes a study by the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, which numbers uh, 9.2 million U.S. adults who have a substance use disorder. Now, the, the, the character Ned Merrill does have comparisons to uh, Madman uh, Don Draper. However, one of the comparisons that I found uh, unmistakable uh, is the astronaut Buzz Aldrin, who was one of the first men on the moon. In 1972, he wrote a story in the Los Angeles Times indicating his struggles both with alcoholism as well as with depression he would go on to be on the board of directors for the organization formerly known as the National Association of Mental Health. He would go on to rehab, uh, alcohol rehab, not um, inpatient uh, mental health rehab, but specifically alcohol specific rehab. And so as I've been, as I watch this movie, I'm almost reminded of Buzz Aldrin because he is obviously the, 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 the moon landing in 1969. That is the same time period of this movie. And traditionally, baby boomers, if I'm going to pick on baby boomers for a moment, baby boomers typically do not talk about mental health issues to the extent that millennials and Generation Xers, etc., do. There are many, many baby boomer movies that pertain to feelings and, um, uh, you know, feelings and um, mental health as a concept. Uh, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice is one example. Uh, The Graduate, which is a contemporary in many sorts of The Swimmer being another example. But as far as actually uh, moving beyond depiction in mental health into their own personal lives. Baby boomers are typically not known for being the most proactive in mental health. And I don't say that to be mean, uh, but it's something that is, it seems to be backed up by a lot of of research. There is a story in Everything Zoomer, the website Everything Zoomer, story, dateline, October ten. 2019. Why middle-aged men are at high risk for suicide. Uh, Roy, ba- Roy Baumeister, who's a social psychologist, he describes a, a downward spiral cycle. Uh, the, the escape theory is what he calls it. And when, what he means by that is, and you see you see this all over the swimmer. The swimmer is point by point. You will see this in the swimmer. But Roy ba- ba- Baumeister he describes the escape theory as failing to meet high expectations, which leads to self-blame, which leads to depression and anxiety, which in turn leads to reckless behavior, and so on and so forth. And you see that in Ned Merrill. Now his idea, this is the same idea he has in the short story by John cheever is he's going to travel home by swimming the route of the neighbor's pools. The, in and of itself, it is not a reckless act, but when you look at the weather, when the story starts, it is sunny. As the story goes on, it becomes less sunny. And you have to wonder how, how reckless is it for someone to be traveling in just a pair of swim trunks for who knows how far they're gonna be going. They don't have any, any provisions with them other than the swim trunks. So Ned Merrill, when, he, when, when we'll see him departing on his journey, all he has on his person are his swim trunks, just his swim trunks. That's all he will have on his possession. And, and so that's something to keep in mind is in theory, it seems like, you know, a nice idea that could work. But when you watch it in the movie, you wonder, okay, this, something's not, something's not adding up here. Something's not, some, something's not, not right here. And your 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 sneaking suspicion would be right. Something just doesn't add up here. If someone is, you know, hatching a plan to swim their way home, one would think that they would have more on their person than just their 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 pair of swim trunks. So that's something to. Um, you know to to consider. You know it, swimming is healthy. That's something that is you know there's no denying that. One of the things that's consistent to I mentioned uh, Mad Men, is there is a very um, I don't say pervasive, but you see a lot of sexism, such as when he uh, slapped her um, on the behind. He's at. Uh, the Graham's house now let's call it pool number two and that is Kim Hunter uh Kim Hunter from uh I want to say Planet of the Apes and I believe she was Stella in Streetcar Named Desire when when uh, Marlon Brando's yelling Stella that's her that that's Kim Hunter that's that's her Stella no but but she's anyway I I digress um So in in this scene, when he's at pool number two, this is where you start to see some of the characteristics of his personality. Now, one thing that I will mention up front is Ned is a jerk. He is a jerk. There's no denying that. And I don't say that to be insensitive to whatever diagnosis he has, it is entirely possible and I would say even common that being a jerk does not exempt you from having bipolar or anxiety or social um, you know, anxiety disorder. This character, the Bert Lancaster character, he's a jerk. You can see it by how he treats women. You can see it with how he talks just in the prior scene when he's talking with his friend about the uh, their their uh, gallivanting on their um, you know prior uh, adventures, you can see it. In every scene in the movie, it it reflects what a jerk he is. So I don't say that to be insensitive, but on the contrary, to be you know anti-stigma, um, you can be a jerk, a complete s o b. And still have mood disorders. Here he is telling one of his, tell, telling a neighbor's wife, oh, by the way, I, I'm jealous of your husband. <laughs> you know, right? Why, why would you tell someone that? You're, you know, A, showing up unannounced, and then you proceed to tell, to tell his wife, oh, by the way, I, I'm jealous of your husband. Who does that? seriously who does that here's another one of the 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 toys in the neighborhood is this a lawnmower um is that that, and this would precede John Deere the this is before the the John Deere days I I believe John Deere would have been around this time if I'm not mistaken but that's not a name brand John Deere I don't believe uh but he's um and one thing I don't get in here is he he's he's fixing a um Um, a a lawnmower, and he doesn't get electrocuted. How does he not get electrocuted if he just got out of the pool? Wouldn't he be wet? Um, Those are the things that I I don't get. Um, So one of the things that I do want to mention is that there is a um, very good organization called OneMindAtWork.org. And one mind at The founder, Garen Staglin, uh, wrote a piece in Forbes.com dated June 9th, 2020, about job loss, suicide, and substance abuse, a story very relevant to this movie. But One Mind at Work, they have a charter to transform mental health. And I mention this because obviously he is out of work. And as I'm watching this movie, I cannot help but think of one-minded work, their charter to transform mental health. It's an eight-point charter. Uh, The first point being a long-term commitment to mental health. Uh, Point number two is promote mental health. Point number three is eliminate stigma, social prejudice, and discrimination. Point number four is adopt a proactive prevention approach. Point number five is to have a coordinated response. Number six is have an early and effective workplace intervention. Point number seven, explore innovations, including technology. And number eight, continuous evaluation. Now these eight points, these are not necessarily specific to only the workplace. Obviously it is intended for the workplace as uh, doc, you know, as reg initially uh, prescribed by OneMindAtWork.org. But those principles are fairly universal principles if you think about it. You make a long-term commitment, you promote mental health, eliminate stigma, adopt a proactive prevention approach, have a coordinated response, particularly with a dual diagnosis, have early and effective workplace intervention, explore innovations and continuous evaluation. Now uh, this scene right here, pool, uh, pool number three, he gets to pool number three, and this is uh, our, our clearest sign yet that something's not right is Ms. Mrs. Hamar, cannot stand ned when he gets there he apparently and just the look on her face is just utter contempt that this 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 guy's beyond a jerk He he's scum in her eyes because he was involved in some way with what we're we're presuming is the loss of her son his friend that he has no clue that that he may no longer be with us. So Mrs. Hammer sends him on his way, don't you ever set foot on my property again. Um, Now as far as the the cheesy music I mentioned by uh, Marvin Hamlish, this movie is also known for this really um, hazy um, photography right here you see it when he's racing a horse. If you're listening to this movie, if you're listening to this podcast, not watching the movie, this scene right now, there's a scene in the movie where he races a horse. Let me repeat that. He races a horse. Now, Bert Lancaster, as as I understand it, was in his 50s when he filmed this movie. And he actually trained with a swim coach to be in a uh, peak condition for this movie and this scene in the movie where he is racing a horse was a source of contention during the film's production why would you want to race a horse it's again one of the things that that looks good on paper but when you see it on the you know on a movie screen it doesn't really add up it it, it lends more uh, you know, more evidence to the notion that something's not right, that something's just just not adding up. Um, the, the, the horse is actually introduced th- through the, the, the camera, cuts to his iris, and it, it almost looks like a flashback. Then it cuts to him running, and you realize that it, it's not a flashback. It's him racing against a horse. Who, who does that? who does it? I know that it's good exercise. I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but that's one of the, you know, the growing list of uh, evidences that you get in this movie that something is, and plus running barefoot. If you're going to run, put some fricking shoes on, you know, granted it's in the forest, you know, in, in the country, but if you're running, why would you run Barefoot, when you can put protective footwear on, there's a scene, um, not not too far from this scene, where he actually um, uh, sprains his, his foot, and it just you know calls back to this scene where he's running barefoot. Uh, the later scene is where he's doing um, pole vaulting uh, track, barefoot. Uh, n- now, if you're if you're watching the movie, you, you'll, you'll see he's getting to pool number four. We'll call it pool number four, um, and this is where we're going to meet one of the significant characters in the movie, which is his uh, babysitter, uh, you know, a former babysitter, if not current babysitter, or he had hoped she would be a current babysitter. Uh, this is uh, Janet Langard. This is her debut movie, uh, Janet Langard. She is no longer acting. I believe she is retired from film, but this is her first movie uh, acting uh, as the babysitter. There is a, uh, the parts of the movie with Bird Lancaster and um, Janet Langard, there is there an element of um, Discomfort. This part of the movie, the whole movie, has an element of discomfort. That something's just not right, and and you'd be correct. Something is not right. But the scenes with Ned and with um and with Julie, they really do get to be a little creepy, and and it just gets creepier and creepier as some of the scenes. Go on. Now, I do want to mention, um, in regards to the short story, the Julie character was written for the movie. There, none of these characters—I'm referring to the babysitter and, and her friends, or, or well, her brother and his uh, his girlfriend. The the babysitter is not in the short story by John Cheever. This is a um, concocted for the movie, and. In a lot of ways, this character, the babysitter, uh, Julie, she is a, a bookend with uh, Ned's old flame who he had an affair with. He said he's married. Um, so yeah, speaking to what a jerk he is, he's married and he's having an affair and compounding his affair, or he had an affair, which will that's addressed further in the movie, but married, having an affair, and getting way too friendly with the babysitter. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say he's a jerk. The uh, Julie, she likes Ned's idea. One of the things that you'll find throughout the movie is many of the people who he uh, visits and surprises, he wants to recruit them to join him on his journey. And Julie, is the first person who says, Yes, that sounds fun. That that you know, why didn't I think of that? That that's an awesome idea. I think I'll join you. Julie is the first character who joins him on his journey. And there are some theories. I don't agree with this theory that this portion of the, the movie is all in his imagination. And there's some credence to that because of the way that it's filmed. This is the only portion of the movie that has just, it's like they're filming through tissue paper, basically. It's just so super soft focus. It's like a movie from the 1940s. Uh, Granted, it was more common in the 1970s in movies that would have music by Marvin Hamlisch, Um, but it's just really, really blatant in this movie, just the the, uh, level of soft focus that's all over this movie. Um, But again, it's really specific, very specific to the scenes with Ned and Janet. Um, You know what? I think that you're going to get more out of this movie if I leave you off here. Um, I'm going to leave you with some information that I I hope you find helpful. Uh, There's some resources that you should definitely take note of. There is Mental Health America. Mental Health America is at MHA national.org. Click on the blue find help button. There is also NAMI National Alliance on Mental Illness. NAMI is at nami.org. Click on support and education. There are a couple phone numbers also The NAMI helpline, that is for National Alliance on Mental Illness, the NAMI helpline is 1-800-950-NAME, or NAMI. So the NAMI helpline is 1-800-950-6264. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. I also want to make mention of, I'm really excited whenever I find a a podcast relating to mental health. There's a lot of good ones. I want to mention a few that you may or may not be aware of. There is Anxiety About Anxiety. That is anchor.fm slash Keith hyphen Snyder. Again, that's anxiety about anxiety, anchor.fm slash Keith dash Snyder. That's Keith hyphen uh, Snyder. Uh, the, The anxiety about anxiety is in the tradition of in our own voices, meaning that that's quite literally people in their own voices sharing their stories and their experiences. There's also Mental Heads out of England. Uh, mental Heads is at play.acast.com slash s slash mental dash heads. Again, that's play dash acast.com slash s slash mental hyphen heads. There's also St. Dymphna's playbook, easiest way to get there is catholichipster.com. St. Dymphna is a is the Catholic patron saint of mental health issues. Uh, My Voices Have Tourette's, that's another one. My Voices Have com. That is a podcast out of Iceland, of all places. So a lot, lot of good resources out there to um, to, to, to look into um so right now we're at a point where uh ned he's still on on his exploring with julie and they are visiting the the party at the leers again this movie reeks of alcohol and it reeks of party and um anyway in a lot of ways it's So much depression, so much mood disorder and anxiety is based upon keeping up with the Joneses. Now now this scene, if you're watching the movie, the guy in the pool, that is a cameo by John Cheever himself. The uh, character of uh, Enid, I believe in this scene, that is not the of lady from the commercial. She is in a later scene, which I believe was cut and reshot. But all through the movie, it's it's an element of keeping up with the Joneses. And I said that I would not comment on the death of the American dream aspect of the movie, and I'm not. I, I will keep my word and not mention that. I will say that... It's less about the whole American dream thing than it is about comparing yourself. There is a lot of comparing himself to these. um, I I hesitate to say the word friends, but his neighbors. There is a um, there is a very strong disconnect. You saw it in the first pool at the Bickleys. You saw it in the second pool at the Grams, you saw it in the third pool with Mrs. Hammer, and you definitely see it in the fourth pool here at at the Lears, there is a huge disconnect with Ned and with these neighbors. Ned is relating to these people, are trying to relate to them like it's just another day, everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory. The neighbors are looking at Ned like, Okay, where have you been? Where have you been the last two years? You know, what's the deal here? What's going on with your wife? What's going on with with, with your kids? What's the story here? So there is a huge disconnect that gets just a a bigger and bigger gap as the story goes along. The very first scene, you really didn't think anything of it. You thought, okay, well, this is a, you know, a, a quirky, maybe a little eccentric. But right now, with the with this friend who's talking about, oh, I'm sorry what they did to you, it's getting to be clearer and clearer that there's something deeper here. If you dig deeper, you're, you, there's it's a little troubling what you're going to find. So yes, there is that, you know, none too subtle, sub, not even a subtext, but broadcast right in the open. This is a movie about the American dream, the death of the American dream. But it's also about, comparing yourself to others. It's also about the peer pressure, not necessarily of, of uh, adolescence and the teenage and high school and college years, but the peer pressure of an adult, the peer pressure of a working adult. In the case of Ned Morrill, who again, like his contemporary Don Draper in Mad Men, has uh, you know tremendous peer pressure to keep up with the Joneses, keeping up with appearances, keeping up with this fancy house, keeping up with the um, you know, the the, the the fancy pools, all the nice toys, all the parties, including the day parties. The 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 partying and the drinking is so pervasive that you would inevitably get to a scene where they're partying in the daytime. And sure enough at the layers They're partying in the daytime. This is a party during the day. (laughs) So yeah, it's a movie that reeks of alcohol. It just reeks of you know keeping up with the you know. It's referred to in the short story as well as in the movie as uh, you know you know the native doing what you can to honor the native customs, and um, but there's also that element of just one drink. Just, just one drink for the road, just, just, just one drink. Now, um, again, the, the, there's one, only one pool that he visits, that's a non-alcoholic pool, and that's the one at the, at the, um, at, at the leers, where uh, Julie, the babysitter, and her friends, they have a, you know, ha- having a Coca-Cola, uh, which is, you know, a, a non-alcoholic drink, unless you have it in a mixed drink, but again, it's, Again, going back to what I said, this movie just reeks of alcohol um, not so not so far as a movie like um, you know Days of Wine and Roses with Jack Le and that movie really reeks of it uh, but again, this movie is huge huge movie about a dual diagnosis if you've ever been diagnosed with a mood disorder and you're in a 12-step program like AA, that means that you would be considered what's called a dual diagnosis. Now, many treatment options do specifically treat both symptoms, meaning that the, the, the treatment for the mood disorder is contingent upon the treatment for the alcohol addiction. There are groups, obviously, such as uh, AA and other 12-step groups, but there's also Rational Recovery, there's Smart Recovery. There's a growing number of 12-step groups that are not AA. The objection with AA is that it is a faith-based 12-step, and so there are non-12-step, non-faith-based AA groups. Uh, non-faith-based uh, um, groups. Um, I am starting to ramble on, and when I start to ramble on, that would mean that it's a good time to wrap up. So I do thank you for listening. Um, again, this is uh, Brian. The podcast is Mental Health Film Comment. Stay safe, and thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.